0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional aspects of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at Thomas Endurance Coaching. And on this episode, I speak with Christine Zimmerman. Uh, Christine is such an amazing person. Uh, She is a registered dietitian and nutritionist Um, She's also uh, a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, She uh, has worked in diabetes care and education in the past. Um, She works in or has worked in metabolic efficiency training. She is an athlete herself um, and uh, and an all-around fantastic person. She also is the newest addition to the TEC team. She is now uh, our... um, uh, our team uh, nutrition expert, um, where she is offering nutrition consultations uh, as part of uh, TC's coaching services, and we are massively excited to have her on board. Uh, the knowledge and uh, her commitment to uh, meeting athletes where they're at and understanding their needs um, is uh, is such a huge uh, addition. To uh, to the TEC team and and uh, our ability to uh, to to help and better serve the athletes that we have the opportunity to work with. So I'm uh, I'm excited for a variety of reasons to uh, to be uh, launching this episode, but um, more uh, most of all because our conversation was was really just fantastic. Um, we talk about several different things. <clears throat> we talk about uh, introspective awareness um how to kind of identify uh your perception as it relates to nutrition and dieting uh and specific to athletes uh in relation to exercise um we talk about the emotional link between food and exercise and and whether or not we should be re- trying to remove emotion from from uh from our diet from our nutrition approach um and we talk about instinct and thought and emotion and how all of those pieces of our complex um, beings as humans uh, go into informing how we think and feel and act around food and the decisions we make. Um, and we, we look at how to blend the prescriptive aspects that so, um, so often accompany uh, our pursuits as athletes, be it with workouts or with nutrition and dieting, how do we blend those prescriptive components with the 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 feeling and the understanding and the emotion that's tied and inevitably linked to to food, both both good emotions and and negative emotions? Um, and Christine's perspective, she she comes from. Um, more of a clinical background, and then now is uh, is focused on delivering intuitive eating um, guidance to, to the clients that she works with. Uh, her background is uh, really, really sheds uh, a lot of light on, on this topic specific to, to athletes. So please enjoy my conversation with Christine. Um, if you're interested in, in speaking with her with uh, scheduling a nutrition consultation, you can now find out more information on Christine at Thomas endurance coaching com and look under services um, uh, and look at nutrition consultations you can also check out her bio on our team page um, she I think you'll see from this conversation that she uh, is someone that you definitely want to uh, to have a conversation with and uh and and get some of her time. So we're uh, massively excited to have her on board uh and this conversation is a great snippet of of the expertise, the passion and the knowledge that she brings um to the world of nutrition uh and blended with um with that athletic perspective. So please enjoy my conversation with Christine Zimmerman and again check out thomasendurancecoaching.com um for more information on her services or any of the other stuff that we offer through TEC. Hey
1: Christine, how are you doing this morning?
2: Excellent. Great to be with you today, Taylor.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really uh I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time uh on this podcast talking about uh performance and we talk about kind of mental, emotional, psychological aspects of endurance sports, and we talk about um a lot of times that leads us back to to workouts and training and how we compartmentalize those things and how we use those things to to define and inform uh, our athletic identity. But what we haven't spent as much time talking about, uh, although it's um, intrinsically uh, linked to to our athletic identity and performances, is nutrition. So. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you today because that is your uh that's your expertise um, and um so I, I wanna i think a good place to start with might just be um to get your perspective on that kind of emotional link between that 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 we often see athletes uh, or find that athletes have between food or or diet or nutrition or, or whatever we want to kind of call it, or maybe it's all those things, the emotional link between food and, and exercise, right? So a lot of times uh, we see that there's this um, oftentimes kind of negative feedback loop that athletes find themselves in between how they fuel for exercise, what they eat, what they put in their body, what they tell themselves about those decisions they make, and then ultimately their, their performance um so what's your just kind of i guess take on the role that food and nutrition and and diet uh should play uh with with exercise
2: yeah so wow good stuff um right i think you're kind of leaning towards the ideas of like many athletes getting into um kind of the the realm of um, nutrition and food and even their exercise um, patterns and workouts um, becoming like so much an external uh, value and external cues, and it feels so good right away, you know like when you get your workout regimen from your coach and you get the nutrition diet plan that you're gonna follow and we all have this moment of, I'm going to be a better, greater person because this is going to work out this time. And, um, you know, kind of getting rid of the old and finding something new is so appealing because we're, we're just creatures of curiosity. But, um, after years of doing this, I think there's some caution in to some of that. And, not to detry from your business <laughs> because coaching is important, <laughs> but part of our, I think authentic coaching needs to be in a place where we also coach clients about like their, their inner cues and something called introspective awareness, um, which is really being able to identify um, your needs and we don't do a lot of that because the $60 billion industry of dieting and weight loss and coaching says that all those things have to come externally. But, um, I'm finding that kind of helping clients learn about their inner cues of hunger, fullness, um, what feels good? Like, wow, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy this kind of thing instead of that kind of thing. And once we really identify, um, it become it can become a wonderful place after people kind of get a balance um, called like authentic health. Like we have you, those external cues and internal values or attunement, interceptive awareness in balance. Um, and <clears throat> I think that's where the future of wellness is going because we know that <clears throat> just looking at a lot of external things um, and not – paying attention to the intuitive or introspective um, attunement leads to not being balanced. And like the pendulum swings one direction and it can only stay there for so long. And you've probably seen it too, right, Taylor, where people get on these extremes and then they tend to go back potentially to the other way in an extreme. (laughs) So Mm, looking for that place kind of in the middle that feels really good. And maybe, you know, maybe training and getting to an extreme, but having conversation about what does this look like with the end in mind? You know, what happens after you do the Ironman? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how is your nutrition, eating, and movement look at that time? You know, and so I think that's helpful for our clients. Um, what are you seeing? What kind of issues do you see with some of your... Um, clients right now yeah like extremism.
1: <clears throat> yeah i mean i i, I think you, you you nailed it uh for sure uh in, in that idea that you know if we don't have that awareness or if we lose that awareness to to self-regulate or to understand what a particular feeling feels like, right? Now that could be, it could be hunger, it could be fullness, it could be satisfaction. Uh, it could also be, or or is oftentimes, um, we talk about this a lot. I mean, honestly, the reason this podcast exists is because you, there there needs to be that balance. We spend a lot hmm. of time, uh, you know, as, as coaches and and then as athletes talking about and looking for the prescriptive solutions Right. What's mm. my workout? What's my power range? What's my heart rate? What's my pace? Yeah. Um, and those are great. And those are, those are good tools. Um, but we can't lose sight of the feeling. Right. So if we, mm. if we just, um, if we just go about, I, I call it a, you know, a, a set it and forget it mentality. Right. Where, where you just kind of go through the motions and you've lost track or sight of how it feels to do a workout, how it feels to push yourself appropriately and the same thing uh applies to to nutrition, right? Where if we just kind of blindly follow a particular diet that we've been told is is going to be most effective, then I think that there's there's real potential for um for there to be an issue there, right? So I love that mm-hmm. um so I love your perspective so much is like that that's that's such an integral part of um of of your approach is like, yeah, we need to dial it in. And we, of course, there's particular foods that are going to make up that approach, but let's, let's come back to, to that like home base of how's it feel, right? What feels good? What feels bad? If it feels bad, why, right? Why are there negative, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, emotions associated with those feelings? Um, Do, do you, uh, I guess that leads. Well, you, you touched on two things uh, that I think are really, really great, and um, I, I guess that leads me to to another idea that I have, or or something that always pops up is just these like coping, um, coping with feelings, using food, mm-hmm. right? And I I think mm-hmm. we've all seen this, and then athletes, you know, I think are in an interesting. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's there's pressure there. Because we want to, uh, from a variety of places, one we want to to reach our fullest potential, um, and so most times we realize that diet is a part of that. But then there's also, like you said, there's a there's a multi billion dollar industry that's um, that's that's pushing that as well, right? Pushing those those agendas and those that messaging and those feelings and those emotions. Um, what's your what's your, I guess, take, or I don't want to say advice, but I don't, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on like coping with feelings, good or bad, right? So if it's an athlete, maybe those feelings of wanting to excel, right? Wanting to be your best at all costs potentially, or of course, the other side of that and the way it can manifest itself is, is, is feelings of guilt or or remorse or, um, or whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on the just kind of those feelings with with using food or or in relation to food and, and nutrition?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, there, you know, I, I think in our culture, food means like so much, and um, and it's it gets really complicated. And for there's a majority of people out there that food is like a source of coping. Like it's how you cope with stress and the intuitive eating theory, which um, is kind of what I ascribe to doesn't mean that you can only eat when you're hungry and shouldn't eat when you're full. I mean, it says, you know, yeah, sometimes people, yeah, we celebrate and we have birthday cake or we have a glass of wine or so, but but if it's like, if food is your go-to for every time you're bored or every time you have a feeling that you need to, that you don't really have other self-care um, strategies for, it can be very detrimental. And you and I probably have both encountered that with clients, that um, food is used as a coping strategy. And so it can be, it, it's a really tough, um, tough, tough journey. And it's good that there is a, there is therapy. There is things to do for people that, have, um, to, that use food as a coping strategy. Um, they tend to be the ones that really excel when they start learning to, to find other self-care behaviors, um, that they don't have to use food anymore. And those are the people that tend to have the biggest success in finding their natural weight. And notice I didn't say weight loss, but sometimes we find people who are like, "Am I going to lose weight because I'm thinking about my hunger and fullness?" I'm like, I can't promise weight loss because it's such, it's such a tough thing, and there's so much genetics in it, and there's so much behavior in it. We just don't know who's going to lose or gain weight when they try um, listening to their attunement as far as you know, learning to eat. But people that emotionally eat, those are the ones that tend to carry excess um weight and they tend to be more successful in keeping the weight off when they learn wow you know what i can i can read a book i can meditate i can take a walk i can do some you know hang out with friends and exercise and i don't have to eat now to cope with my my feelings so um i think that's kind of what you're asking as far as using food and emotions and it's it's a really big deal in our culture because we've um tied food to so many things. And I've seen this now more, like with COVID, it's really brought out, people have been sitting home and, you know, they're texting me, Christina, I need help because, you know, I'm just sitting home bored eating and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) COVID making you a hunk, chunk or drunk, right? (laughs) It's really hard for people. (laughs) (laughs) so tough Uh, anyway um are you seeing some of that too like people having a tough time with covid and boredom and just dealing with feelings
1: yeah i think um yeah for sure you know it's it's and it's interesting i mean uh that's just the hunk uh chunker that's so good um it's i mean it really does manifest itself like in those those ways right so um we've seen it uh you know certainly with the athletic population that we work with that people can turn um inward to to their exercise right like that becomes Mm -hmm. a a central point to focus on and that's a thing that they can control in a good way right that becomes a positive Mm -hmm. touch point and in their day where everything else is not normal anymore, right? Their work schedule, their, their uh, life relationships, whatever it is. Um. So that's, that's, you know, so that, that's the hunk part, right? You can get really fit uh, if that, if that's a positive um, touch point, but, but then, yeah, for sure. I mean, people, um, if you're, if you're not used to working from home uh, and you're now at home all day, mm-hmm. And you have your, you know, full refrigerator and your full pantry just a few feet from you, uh, that can be problematic. Um, So, yeah, you know, I mean, it just to your point, like it it goes to show like how linked food is in our eating habits with with what we're going through emotionally. Um, Like you can't separate those things or I don't I mean, should I guess that's a good question. Like, do we try to separate them? Like, do, do we, do we try to, is the goal to remove emotion from food? I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but hopefully my point's getting across. We're like, is, do we want like food? Do we want to yeah. be able to make like very,
2: mm-hmm.
1: almost like mm-hmm. quantitative decisions about food or should it, can it be, or mm-hmm. should it be, you know, emotional still, but just in the right direction?
2: Yeah. No, excellent question, actually. Um, so there's like a dynamic interplay. We, our brains are right so evolved. Like we have instinct, remember? Because like the reptile, like first the reptilian mm-hmm. brain is like instinct. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, the, the cortex and neocortex devol- evolved and we have thought and emotion. And so we have to embrace like humans are a beautiful blend of all those things. And how do we? keep that blend together and not be completely thought, right? Because if we were just completely thought, we could have like, you know, 46% of our calories from carbohydrate, 35 from bio, blah, blah blah, you know, and we could just mm-hmm. be like this regimented, you know, person. And but that's not who we are. And so we have to honor and respect that oh, I have satisfaction and I have I've emotions and I have, um, uh, thoughts that all, um, and instinct that go into this whole blend of myself. So, um, and the beautiful piece is when people can be at peace with all those things and say, you know, I feel, um, I, I, you know, the basics of nutrition are really easy. Like I tell people, you know, for so long we've, kind of been a slave to the science of nutrition and there's Mm -hmm. really nothing we've tried to make it really complicated but it doesn't have to be so complicated and our body doesn't need like such strictness in fact we find that you know this sometimes the stricter people are like i've even seen this with the diabetes prevention program when we were counting grams of fat for these clients, um, that they can do it for a while and then they they just springboard back out of that. Like the the farther the pendulum swings one way, the farther it can swing the other way. And so we have to find this happy medium. But um kind of giving yourself, I tell clients one of the best ways to kind of start the journey is to find that space where you can observe yourself without judgment or criticism. So for example, like, um, you know, like even this morning when you're like stressed out, you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) where's my, (laughs) where's my zoom (laughs) link? Uh, Um, and you know, in that moment, it's like, Oh, do, do you see yourself having behaviors or wanting food or putting, you know, like it's, that's that moment when we can, actually see ourselves in that space we have choices that we don't have when we can't see ourselves so um part of the part of the process is just giving ourselves a lot of self compassion and non-judgmental space to start making new choices and that's um i think In a lot of different psychological theories that we found that, hey, you know what? Self-compassion and self-care is actually such a great motivator for behavior change instead of criticism and judgment. So um, that's definitely rooted in all this too. But going back to your, can we take emotion out of it? For sure not. And we don't really want to, but we find that if it's the major driver, it's then the thought and instinct go way down and you know if if emotions are too high then we tend to we want to keep them in but we want to be able to um use them to our benefit and enjoy them and look at them as you know right because when we can really celebrate and feel good about it it's such a nice place instead of feeling guilt and shame right
0: right
1: for sure yeah i mean it makes it makes total sense that like we shouldn't um that that emotion plays a critical role, but it, but it has to be in balance, right. Which I think is probably where we want to find ourselves most times is, is, in balance. Um, what, what mm-hmm. do you think, um, like with athletes specifically, um, there's, there's such a, it's such a, can be such a complicated Um, not that it's not complicated for, for other folks, but, you know, there's this again, like performance at all costs. Um, and, and people realize and, and and, and rightfully so that, that nutrition plays a critical role in that whatever success they have appropriate nutrition, proper fueling during Uh workouts. Um, but how, you know, what we see a lot of times with athletes is, is deletion. Right, we we see they you know they see mm-hmm. it as very, um, very polarized. Right, you you if you mm-hmm. do this workout and you do and you and you uh, consume this food and don't consume these other foods, that equals success. Right, it's, it's like an equation. Um, mm-hmm. what, how do we, how do we deal with that? What what's what's the you know, because I mean it it, it to to some degree we do want you know to find um that that equation that equals success right we we you know especially for high performing athletes um there is a there is a part of that that is food um and and too much mm-hmm. or too little and and the right you know nutrients and macros and they need carbohydrate all right there's all these things going on that's mm-hmm. important but yeah. I don't know. I, I, and that's more just, you know, I think it's, it can be really challenging for athletes to find that healthy relationship when they're trying to maximize performance. So what's your, what's your take on how to kind of navigate all of those like complexities, maybe, maybe more specifically to, to the, to the, to like the athletic identity.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. Um, and you know, everybody's starting kind of in a, a different place with it. Um, finding out what, like what pre- people are bringing into the conversation, whether they, um, are, you know, have been on keto and it's been working and I'm, I'm like, okay, so how's, how's it working? And do you have any questions about how long you've, you know, you're going to continue this? And then, you know, some people are on eating regimens because of um, religious reasons, um, you know, or vegan because of this or celiac disease because of, you know, gluten-free because of celiac disease. So kind of finding where people are beginning and then diving into um, things like satisfaction. You know, um, I think sometimes athletes lose sight of satisfaction and, I'm only saying this because at one time too, I was a high performing athlete and I had, you know, I think we've all kind of been in this place of, okay, here I am supposedly peaking and I'm not really happy. (laughs) Like I can't be with my friends. I'm not going out to dinner because they're going to eat at a pizza place and have beer. And so kind of checking yourself along the way, like we, I think our culture has gotten to a place where we've idealized or we believe that being very strict and very regimented will then create this optimal position. When you really start studying and talking to these high-performing athletes, some of them have very little regimen. I mean, some of them do, you know, it's all over the map, right? You've seen it too, like some of these people like, okay, I do quality over quantity and you know, I, I lived with a high-end athlete in my house for years, too. And she was like, yeah, I, I pretty much don't eat anything until the end of the day. <laughs> and I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I first would start the conversation, like, how, what's working for you and what's not working for you? And how much satisfaction do, are you getting in your workouts and with your eating? And at what cost? And that, you know, if the cost is looking like I'm not going out with my friends or I'm losing time with my family, because really our health is not just a physical thing. It's also a very emotional and social piece. And so in order to really honor our clients, we have to kind of open up the conversation to all that. and. You know, I'm willing to say, hey, you know, if if keto's been working for you and you're really thriving at that, let's let's you know, let's see how let's tweak it or let's how can we manage this even in a better way if that seems to be working for you. Um, Because you know, our our take now as far as the the academy of nutrition and dietetics is, there's no one right way. That everybody kind of has a different, and we have to honor that too. and I think intuitive eating can go into a lot of different models, but it says, are you honoring and respecting your introspective awareness yourself? And that's a really powerful place to come from. And I think some of the best coaching going forward is going to have that mindset too of honoring making sure that person's honoring themselves also and not just looking for external cues for everything. Um, and some of the coaching you've probably done too. Have you seen it where people start even taking off some of this heart rate monitor and power meters and say, you know, I can kind of tell I'm almost like able to intuit what's going on, even though I'm not getting the outside data anymore. Like I'm getting more attuned to what's going on inside of me. Are you seeing that too?
1: Yeah. Or at least that's the goal for sure. Right. You know, it's, that's a goal. It's been, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've, um, I <laughs> uh, the, the more, the longer I, uh, the longer I'm a coach, the, it's been really interesting, you know, for me, um, because this is what I've made my career, uh, you know, at or in, um, mm is, you know, this kind of space where, you know, helping athletes, you know, navigate all of these things um, mm. and doing it in a way that works for them. And so the longer that I've been a coach, the more that, that all I care about and, and you, and you, you, you know, really touched on it or, or, or really nailed it was like, you know, at what, at what cost, right? Like, are you satisfied? You know, Mm -hmm. are you doing these things, but is it at the detriment Mm -hmm. of your satisfaction or your happiness? Are you sacrificing time with friends and family or food that you enjoy or, um, you know, workouts Mm -hmm. or, or things that you really used to like to do that maybe you're not doing now because you feel like they're not, you know, as big a bang for your buck or or something like that. And Mm -hmm. the, the more, the longer that I continue to work with athletes, the more that that's all I care about. Right. It's like, what's, what's, I want to meet that athlete where they're at and, and work to find some sort of balance. Right. It doesn't matter what the periodization model looks like. It doesn't matter what the, you know uh, you know, base build peak race, you know, all these like kind of classic timelines and, and, and models that we, you know, it uh, apply or you know, kind of adhesed to to, to mm-hmm. athlete. You know, I I just I start with a blank canvas. You know, and I want to, and, mm-hmm. and that canvas changes constantly. And I think it's the same with with mm-hmm. diet or, or certainly diet in relation to exercise. It's like what's what's working, right? How do you feel right mm-hmm. now? Um, is that productive? Is it healthy? Do you feel satisfied? And then let's we'll check in again next week, right? And see mm-hmm. see what that looks like. And so, yeah, to your point, like, you know, is, um, you know, the data is is great, and and you know, understanding the science is is obviously critical, but we can't let that uh, or force us to lose sight of that intuition, right? And and just yeah. knowing how things feel, um, man, yeah. i mean i yeah that's great um
2: (laughs) another go ahead i'm sorry
1: nope fire away
2: so it just made me think of something else that i'm really passionate about is oh my word that there's this um illusion that you know these high-end athletes and um are like so prescriptive and doing everything and like never having anything that's you know the bad food or the no list or sticking a hundred percent or I'm better because I did every single minute of every single workout and I had no MMs I did not have one gummy bear and mm-hmm. situating our self worth it's so detrimental um, and it's it's it can be you know what we found that people that Tend to get super strict. Um, they feel, you know, that's where the shame, really, the blame and shame game comes in. Um, and they they can't, you know, like oh, I, I'm not enjoying having this happy hour moment. Having a you know, chicken wing dipped in ranch dressing is making me feel horrible. And um, that that's really a, a really tough place. And we need more great coaches like you to say, Hey, you know what? We can find this happy medium. Um, I call it the middle way with people like, Hey, look, what's your middle way? What what can we find that you can still have? Like, what are some of those foods that you really crave and enjoy and really, um, you know, can you have some of that once in a while we found is better off than completely being abstinent? When, when people get really extreme and abstinent and like, don't have any of their, like I call it the sometimes foods, <laughs> play foods. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we find that um, they, they, they end up hitting the wall eventually and then, you know, like going to the opposite extreme or making other people feel bad because they're eating something on the no list. And so it, it kind of unwinds itself. Remember the show, The Biggest Loser? Mm hmm. It's, like, horrible. Um, We've learned so much. (laughs) We've learned so much from that show, like, how those people have now, like, 500-calorie deficit in their metabolic rate, you know, after losing all that weight. And they've gained back, like, three times the weight. And they never gained back their lean body tissue after, you know, extreme. So, anyway, what we learned from that show is that extremism um, with – exercise and diet can can really be detrimental. So I think a lot of the fitness world, at least that has studied some of that, is now like, you know, what about that middle way? What about looking at how we can make intra- incremental improvements but not go extremism? What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, you it ties um, so perfectly into, I mean, that kind of – that piece that you're talking and and specifically like that emotional kind of component where when you feel guilty uh, or if if a person was to feel guilty about eating certain things or you know how that's kind of um, potentially linked in an unhealthy way to their identity it ties so perfectly into what what I've spent a lot of times, particularly over this kind of past season talking about on, on this podcast, which is, you know, how do we, that just, you know, how do we, how do we navigate our athletic identity uh, and our motivators and our goal setting processes in, in the face of what we're all dealing with. Right. So whether that's, you know, we don't have races, in, in the traditional way that we, we used to have races. It's certainly not at the the quantity or the yeah. frequency that we're used to having them. Yeah. But What does that mean for us as, as athletes, right? So what it means mm-hmm. is that we have to then be very introspective and understand how we're defining our goal, right. And where those goals are coming mm-hmm. from and, you know, and how we're defining our athletic identity. And, and so that's, I mean, it's the, it's the perfect kind of compliment on the nutrition side is that same right? Where, where are we deriving our, uh, our joy from, right? Where are we? And then where are we, what are the things that make us feel guilty, right? And it's the, it's the same thing on the, on the workout side or the training side is if you miss a workout or if you miss a week of workouts or, you know, shit, even if you miss a month of workouts, like it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't define you as an athlete, right? It doesn't mean that you're not an athlete or that you can't be successful, it means that we need to work to find balance, right? And it's Mm -hmm. the same thing, just, I mean, like you're saying, like if you eat chicken wings and have a couple of cocktails at a restaurant, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or a bad athlete or not going to be successful at reaching your goals. It just means, right? And it it doesn't mean anything, but what it does tell us is that if you have those feelings, I I think if I'm picking up on kind of what you're putting down, it tells us that we need to then figure out, we need to get at the core of why you have those feelings. Right. Cause the food is not yes. bad. It's yeah. the thoughts that are negative. Right. That's, I don't want to call them right. bad thoughts, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I, it, and it, again, like that's why I am so excited to talk to you because it, it's like, it's, it's like circular, right. Or cyclical right. or, or I mean this, you know, it's these so often what, we see as coaches, myself and the rest of the coaching team and any other coaches I talk to in the world, my colleagues, Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if athletes have tend to have these negative thoughts linked to their, um, you know, defining their goals. So whether they're, you know, outcome, um, outcome goals versus, you know, process based goals or, Mm-hmm. They're kind of emotional ties to their athletic identity. We so often see that spill over into the nutrition side of things as well. Right. It, it's they're mm-hmm. they're almost inevitably linked um where we we see that there's potential for um conversations to be had around that athlete's relationship to food as well. Mm-hmm. Um so just going to show like you can't separate the two. Right. And, 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 and I mean, I guess that's like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you, you have to eat, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a, I mean, it's a stupid thing to say. Like it's such a critical part of our, I mean, you know, it, you have to eat. <laughs> um,
2: right. You uh, have to eat. And that's why like some people are like, is food addicting, Christine? I'm like, it's actually, you know, the the science doesn't bear it out that food is actually addicting. We've just created it to be used as an emotional piece. It's just, mm-hmm. we've put it in that spot. You know, people sometimes say, when do I know if I am an intuitive eater? When, do, when have I kind of arrived? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure anyone completely ever, oh, you know, like, <laughs> <but>
1: it's a <laughs> journey. or something. And,
2: <laughs> right. And <laughs> it's just this journey that you're on. And I think, the COVID piece has allowed us to see ourselves a little bit more clearly because, you know, there's there's some people who are saying, you know, if I just kinda let myself be, I kinda just do want to have a spinach salad with salmon on it. I'm like, yeah, because it if you're kind of attuned, like you kinda know how food, help healthier food feels in your body. Like, wow, I I feel right. I'm not feeling sluggish. I go to the bathroom when i need to and and you can tell like when when you're not when you're kind of using food as a tool to manage emotions and stuff um you eventually get to a place where you're like you know i don't feel quite right and this is not exactly where i want to be because if you are looking at healthy food or healthier choices you know as um something that's another set of rules that's placed on you versus something you desire for satisfaction like a piece like if you desire that that's our goal is to like not that everyone's gonna love raw kale because I tell you it's not easy to get that stuff down but that you get to a place that you <laughs> do want to eat fruits and vegetables you know some people are like I'll do anything but not fruits and vegetables I'm like okay that's that's a tough one <laughs> You know, that's right. going to be a tough place. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're really listening to your body, chances are you if, if you don't want any of those kind of leaner meats and healthier vegetables, there, you may have some, some really big barriers that have to be overcome, that you've, you may have used food um, in a lot of different ways. Like even in childhood, you know, people were told, they had to eat vegetables or they had to clear their plate. And so they may grow up with these thoughts of like, God, I can't stand that stuff. But um, w- when you start like relearning to eat it and saying, you yeah, know, actually kind of like that's are crunchy and they taste, you know, now I'm seeing it in a different way. So anyway, yeah. um, I think, I think it's a, it's a tough place for athletes to get, um, but trying to embrace things versus looking at them as rules um, is probably a good place to start.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's such a, again, it's, I think it's, do you feel like it's, it's a, it's a language. I always feel like it's a language issue sometimes where like, it's the way it's not that these concepts I mean, like you said, like you know, these nutrition and its kind of core is not overly complex to grasp, right? Now, of course, there's right. a lot of science behind it and the way our body processes things, yeah. individualized metabolic processes, and all these things. But it, but like if we just think about like what food is good and what food, you know, what food is going to fuel us best and what food might not do that as well, that's relatively straightforward, right? We all kind of know yeah. generally what that's like. But do you feel like it's do you feel like it's, it's like a language? It's like how we've talked about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause we see it with the, with, with exercise as well. Right. Again, back to Mm -hmm. that, like the prescriptive side of things where like, Mm -hmm. you know, if if we talk about a training plan, um, that immediately cues a lot of athletes to think that that means there's no space for flexibility, right. That Mm -hmm. every day has to be um, scheduled and planned and, and every, you know, season and, and there's not going to be space, you know, their expectation is that for a training plan to be effective, there's no room for movement, right. That it has, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, of course, I don't think, I mean, and that's not, that's not, that's not sustainable if nothing else, right. Maybe Mm -hmm. you can do that for some amount of time, but yeah. What do you think it's, so that's a language thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we're just not, we just haven't talked about these things or positioned them correct correctly. Um, in the, in the, in the language that we're using. Um, do you, do you feel that that, do you think that's the same on the nutrition side or, or like what role do you think that that language has played in how we kind of conceptualize our approach yeah. to nutrition?
2: Yeah. Great question. So you're right. I think I think the language has, at least, you know, I don't know, the industry, food, and fitness maybe is coming from a place of like, you know, buy this that the power or the knowledge and the wisdom comes from outside the human, um, and I think there's going to be a new movement where we say, you know you know teaching people that they have this amazing like superpower like the attunement I was talking about and um that we give them back their power right as an athlete and say you know you may feel really good and hey if you can do a few more hill repeats or you know extend this workout this might be the day but if you're not feeling quite right maybe do less this day because it may provide you a gain, uh, you know, later on in the week. So just just that kind of um, flexibility, I think, is going to be really important. You know, I was just working with a client too, and we were talking about something called sensate-specific satiety. Again, reminding the client that, that wisdom, sensate-specific satiety is kind of a long phrase for <laughs> our body is designed. That you know how food tastes when you're really hungry and it tastes amazing, right? Like the first five gummy bears taste like, oh my God, this is so good. I love this. And then by the <laughs> 20th gummy bear, you're just chewing plastic and you're like, God, this is disgusting. Um, <laughs> what did I just do? Um, well, our bodies are made so that we kind of stop, like the, the desire, the, the wow fades. And so we need to listen to that and say, you know, I can tell that I'm already less hungry. My body's telling me to stop eating. And I think that's with, you know, a lot of training and exercise too. Like we really start telling our athletes, you know, if you're feeling awesome, maybe this is the day to pu- push it up a notch. Um, if, you, if it's 100 degrees and it's smoky outside <laughs> like it is here, um, yeah. maybe today is not the day to extend your workout because it's just... You know, just feel your body. So I believe that we're honoring people by using that kind of framework, that new paradigm of, of coaching. And I think people um, are better off in, in that kind of mindset too. So that's yeah. my thought with both kind of the nutrition and the fitness piece of it.
1: Yeah. No, I, yeah, That that like opportunity, providing the opportunity for – an individual to check in with their body. Right. Which I think I, and that's, that's so much of like, I love that approach and I try to do this when it makes sense for, for athletes that I work with is like blending the prescriptive with the, with the like emotional or the, the perception component. Right. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay. Yeah. Like, Here's kind of generally what we're going for, right? Like, and he'll repeat. Like, that's a great example. Like, okay, here, let's go. We're going to do, you know, five by 10 minute he'll repeat, but let's go and feel, right? And if, if you can push a little harder, if you can do one more, if you do one less, if you need a longer warm up, if you, right? like, so let's, let's also like, let's, we want to target these kind of physiological pieces. Because this is an important workout that's gonna, you know, help us prepare for whatever our our end goal is. Um but also let's let's use that as an opportunity to kind of infuse <clears throat> some of these um, you know, I guess like softer skills, right? Like how do you know if you need a little bit longer to warm up? How do you know or when do you know, you know, if you can go a little harder or need to back off or um how to respond in the heat you, you don't until you give yourself the opportunity to do it um and i think i mean again totally paralleled with um the nutrition piece where like if you just follow a super strict diet plan and you're counting calories you you've lost sight of how to self navigate something that's so fundamental to our well-being um mm. And it's not that maybe we shouldn't aim for some particular benchmarks that are going to help you be successful, but you can't do that at the detriment of of you, you know, losing the ability to self-navigate or breaking down that relationship that you have with food um, because food is delicious right like i'm such Ooh, yeah. a, i'm i'm such a like yeah. i'm Pleasure. such a massive i mean you know without sounding like an idiot like i'm such a massive mm-hmm. fan of food like I, I it's my favorite thing in the world and i like it when it's you know and i want it to be really good and i love it. i love preparing it and i love eating it and i love pairing it with things that are tasty to drink and i when i want to mm-hmm. do all that in a way that you know still supports my athletic endeavors right and i think that You can do that if you have um, a firm grasp on like how to navigate those things. Um, Mm -hmm. What we've talked, we've mentioned it a few times, so I want to just touch on it. This introspective awareness and kind of this like identifying your superpower. We've um, what's what what is it, and how do we how do we kind of utilize it? We've probably touched on it or or maybe even answered it uh, in in our uh in our conversation but um yeah just more kind of curious yeah what's that all about and and how do we utilize that to kind of fulfill some of these guiding principles that we're talking about
2: yeah so um yeah so yeah again i i agree with you that progress not perfection piece um and it's so great talking to another coach athlete that's also like yeah really like have food and we need more of that we need more people being vulnerable and talking about gummy bears and pairing foods and because um this whole ideal that you know like I sit home and eat kale all day and you know, <laughs> yeah I want <laughs> to um, I want to go on the record <laughs>
1: Yeah, I want to go on the record saying that I do not sit at home all day eating kale. For anyone who's ever wondered that, I'll just go ahead and get <laughs> right. out there. Uh, that is not what I eat. I eat, eat. I eat it sometimes, but it's not my uh, primary diet. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and clear the air there that that uh, I'm not in that that camp. Right. Uh, although I, I, you know, I'm pro kale. Like kale is great, but uh, not like you said. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to get down. So let's not let's not put all our hopes and dreams on kale.
2: <laughs> no, for sure. Um... <laughs> No, I appreciate that, and you know, I like purposely like make sure when I'm out and I'm you know like observing myself being curious, right? Like we're so curious, and that's why there's like twenty types of Oreos. Have you ever looked at that? Like, why is there Swedish Fish Oreo flavor? That's (laughs) birthday cake flavored Oreo. Who comes up with this? That's because humans just can't get enough of different stuff, and that we. Kind of need to allow ourselves like, oh, what does that taste like? I've never thought about a bacon wrapped whatever. And then if you allow yourself a taste to really like attunement, like that, oh, I'm I'm tasting this, and what are my thoughts about it? Do I am I enjoying it? Is it, you know, something I want to? So introspective awareness is perceiving your bodily sensations. And Some people are really naturally very good at this and some people have been trained out of it, right? So if your parents kind of didn't say anything while you ate, while you were growing up and they were just, you know, just having a nice time and enjoying a conversation and they said, whenever you're done, then you can be done, you don't have to eat anymore. They were honoring your fullness and your hunger, Um, if you were hungry, they gave you a snack. So that's, that's kind of the better picture of introspective awareness. Like, or like, Hey, what I I feel myself needing to use the restroom. I'm going to go, I'm going to excuse myself right now and use the restroom versus holding it for an hour or two. Um, perceiving your heart rate, um, which is really important in training too, not just relying on, you know, all the monitors and stuff, but you know, Oh, I'm really, you know, perceiving my heart rate right now. So we can, perceive lots of stuff inside of our body but we usually don't take time doing that because we're so distracted or so um we've kind of learned some people have learned early on like give the power to my parents like they they plate my food they tell me i have to eat it all um that kind of thing, or people just watching TV while they're eating, right? Like, oh my God, where's the rest of my chips? Did I eat the whole bag? <laughs> because we didn't, listen. we were too distracted to see um, kind of what we were doing. So, introspective awareness is kind of retraining ourselves to perceive our bodily sensations. And um, it can be full bladder, it can be feeling sleepy, it can be feeling hungry. In fact, that sleepy and hungry are really tied together. I sometimes see a lot of clients who, and you may have seen this too, their diet looks really great, and all of a sudden, after like 7 p.m., they're in the pantry, (laughs) just Hmm. not able to control themselves, and sometimes they're trying to stay awake. I find that they are sleepy um, because they're getting up really early for early morning workouts, and they're really sleepy, but they have a lot of work to do, and so your body will try to you know, you'll try to do things like um, eat to kind of stay awake. So, just kind of retraining ourselves to honor those um, cues and sensations, uh, because we find that this is powerful information more than external information that can kind of guide us to a better physiological and psychological state.
1: I think that could be a really Powerful and important takeaway for athletes, because I, you know the first thing that <clears throat> that came to mind was it does that that potentially um, you know, I guess flies in the face or can be disruptive as athletes because it we we purposefully kind of push ourselves in a way that we we train ourselves to to kind of look away when when our body's giving us cues right so you know mm. it's a hard workout and of course you know your body kind of tells you to stop you're tired you're breathing hard your legs hurt your mm. and then we in 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 an effort to to push ourselves by design we we train ourselves to push past those cues so it's almost like there like there's like a juxtaposition there right like where we need to yep. We, we need to, to, in order to gain fitness, you have to, you have to push yourself, right? So, so fitness only follows fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to make yourself tired. And that, by design, means you're going you're gonna to fly past a lot of these cues your body's giving you, right? You're sore. You're tired. You don't, right? But, you, but in the right balance and in the right doses, that's productive. But mm-hmm. then we need to come back to like a home base where we tap into those cues when it makes sense and I wonder too like and you say in that and I never really thought about it this way but I wonder if like that's maybe that's why athletes can can so often struggle with with their relationship with food is because we've we've been told and have told ourselves and, and spent a lot of time training ourselves to kind of shut these this internal monologue or dialogue down and mm-hmm. shut these cues off and then when we need them they're not there anymore um, do you is that is that a, is that like a huge stretch, or do you feel like that maybe there's some like link there, or or that we need to find that balance between like pushing when it matters and and knowing kind of when to turn on and off these cues that our body gives us um, to to tap back into that introspective awareness.
2: I think you really hit on it. I know. I I wish we had another like 60 minutes because like that is <laughs> we finally is it, it always Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, always, yeah.
1: it always happens that we uncover like the nugget of wisdom like right as we're you
2: ah, know, yeah. down, down. <laughs> right. No, you're right. You're like, yeah, Christine, we what we, we're training, we're all athletes. We're we're all like pushing ourselves beyond like our introspective awareness, our attunement, because that's how we're gonna get to be athletes. I, exactly. But it's it's this gray space and I, I wanna call it like, you know, um our base builder our you know you get you get to this place where you're working on just like your baseline aerobic fitness and it's 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 your fitness it's your relationship with food in that space too i tell clients like who are relatively pretty good on their introspective awareness um or intuitive eating journey like okay well you know um Is this an area that you could tweak a little bit? Um, For example, like you know, do you you know could you just go to sleep at ten o'clock instead of going to the pantry to eat you know more handfuls of nuts, or could we add more food in during the day so you don't you're not like snacking at night? So you're right. It's like we we have to get to. I think it's important that we meet people exactly where they are. Um, For example, you know, people that don't, man, they they don't have a really good uh, relationship with their body or or food or fitness, and they come into this kind of wanting to diet and lose weight and uh, become a new person. (laughs) Um, I I don't, you know, it's a real struggle, and we're not – Honoring them by um, giving them a tough regimen and giving them a lot of rules, and it's it is that sweet spot where you're right. We still ha- we have to honor each person where they are, and there, there's a lot of athletes who are there. Like yeah, Christine, every day I have to push myself, but I think we're honoring them by asking questions like, where could you be putting in a little bit more? attunement, and um, introspective awareness, even in your high-end training, that will serve you at the end of this too. Because at the end of a very strenuous, high-intensity kind of training pattern, there's always kind of a transition out of it, right? <laughs> and we mm-hmm. also seen that place too, where they're kind of free-falling, like, okay, I just finished the eco challenge, and now I'm, I've got nothing on, you know, my schedule. So, and those skills are still with you, you know, like how do we transition to all the phases of life and training um, by that place of honor first? So, yeah, it's, it's a really uh, tweaking area. And I, I think um, people like you are going to be great at it because you have that mind that mindset too of like we can be where am I pushing myself am I still within the boundary of honoring my attunement even though I know I'm seeing progress because I'm seeing progress and I'm not um I'm not falling backwards you know that spiral of health sometimes you're kind of going a little bit down sometimes you're going up but you're basically still kind of (laughs) progressing um Mm -hmm. or you know there's some people are like you know i this is, this is too much rules, I need to go back a little bit and kind of discover or relearn some of the things and kind of figure out why I'm I'm having so many barriers to whatever their exercise plan is, or their eating plan, because they may uh, have some other things they need to look at um, in their relationships, even with their bodies and with food, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough place for some people. Because of genetics, yeah, think, right? Sometimes right. you're going to have a larger person that's just in a bigger body. And at the end of the day, it's like that genetic blueprint is really powerful.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I think about a lot is, you know, and I, I tell this to athletes and talk about it on the podcast, and, is that, you know, that we, we don't, don't continue to do the same thing just because you've done it before, Right. And I think, I mean, you, you touched on that with like, you know, how do we identify, like, what can we tweak that if, if we're really being attuned to, to our bodies uh, in, in, you know, in the, in the nutrition space, in the, in the exercise space, you know, mental, physical health um, let's be willing to be adaptable. Right. And just mm-hmm. because, just because you, you read it or you did it before it worked or it worked for somebody else where Right, it, like that doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't mean that it can't change. Now, it it can mean that we go back to that, right? Like we can we can use that as a benchmark if it's it's been successful in the past, but you might not be in that space now, right? And so, I mean, to your point, like mm. meeting, being willing and 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 open and able to meet, um, that person where they're at, and and then and then discuss solutions that are unique to to that space at that time. Um, And not just saying, well, you know, this time last year, we were, uh, you know, pushing for peak fitness and your diet was super dialed. You're right. Well, I mean, totally different scenario, right? Like Mm -hmm. all kinds of things change, not even specific to to like our current space and time, which of course is very dynamic, but, but season after season, right? Who knows? I mean, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, we, we grow and adapt and, and so, yeah, I think that's being, you know, that again, I mean, it ties back to that like introspective awareness. Like I think that's a big part of it is 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 having the awareness to know that things can and maybe should be movable and adaptable, and that it doesn't always have to look the same, and and that you can, you kind of have, like you said, like you have the superpower <laughs> inside mm-hmm. of you to be able to know the answers to to win mm-hmm. to those things or or not. Even if you don't know the answers, you, you can tap into if and when it's time to change pace, um, and to change things up. And I think that's, that's such an important piece. Um, man, so, so cool. I am beyond, uh, excited. I, um, appreciate being on the show. Uh, your, your insight is, is, um, so, so cool and, and awesome. And, and it ties in so perfectly with the things that I hope to kind of in, uncover, uh, specifically with, with endurance minded. So thanks so much, Christine, for, for taking the yeah. time. It's been a, been an awesome conversation. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. I, I too, I'm, I just, uh, enjoyed talking with you and in the, in the realm of, you know, desiring, you know, these lifelong, if not athletes, but, exercise enthusiasts and really encouraging people on that journey because um you know the fitness some of the fitness world just it's just like a one and done and you know and then you find athletes like no i used to do that I i don't do any of that anymore because i got burnt out and so um i too am looking for you know just finding people meeting people in this place of sustainability that really honors and respects uh their bodies
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh you nailed it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's such a, I, such a soapbox of mine is, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think I touched on it uh, earlier on is like, you know, sustainability and, and like not to be kind of one and done, like you said, right. Like I I'm interested mm-hmm. in helping athletes and, and not, yeah, like and or helping individuals, right. Like, I mean, I, I say mm-hmm. athletes a lot, you know, a lot because that's the world I live in, but like, I want to be clear that, that like athlete doesn't look like anything like in my, in my head, right. When I think about an athlete, like it's not a particular type of person. Like it's somebody who values or puts places value on moving their body. Right. And, and realizes Mm -hmm. that the joy and impact that can have on their lives and how that can help to inform the way that they live out their lives in other, you know, in other parts of their existence. Um, I think that, that movement and physical activity and, and, and committing to pushing past your boundaries has so much value over and above just, you know, a lower resting heart rate, you know? And I, I so that's, that's the types, just like you, like that's the type of conversations I'm interested in having. Um, and I don't care if that's with an elite, you know, world-class athlete or with, you know. Somebody who wouldn't even identify as an athlete there's mm-hmm. value on that entire spectrum, right, and the things that we're talking about are are applicable to to that entire spectrum as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah for for everyone listening, yeah, I think that's you know that's such a big an important distinction to make is these things are are applicable across the board right I don't care if you right. go out for a walk for exercise three days a week or if you were going for a world championship. Like mm-hmm. I think that I think I, I could have the same conversation or we could have these same conversations on these same topics with all those people. Um, That's and right. there would be, there'd be value there and they'd, you know, there'd, there'd be, um, takeaways. So, um, yeah, thanks Christine as always, yeah. your, uh, your insights amazing and, um, super appreciative of your time and, uh, and being on the show. So thanks so much. And we'll be, uh, we'll be talking soon.
2: You're welcome. Yeah. Happy to be here.